1: And welcome back to the Kennedy Mile Report Podcast. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. And back with us for our second episode is our guest co-host, legal technology maven, Adriana Linares. Welcome back, Adriana.
2: Thanks, Dennis. Thanks for um, letting me back a second time. What's it going to take to go three in a row?
3: Well, we'll see how we get through the second one. (laughs) In, in, In this episode, we plan to talk all things tech show. ABA Tech Show, that is. Uh, the legal technology conference that the three of us just got back from uh, was in Chicago last week. By all accounts, we all had a great time. Uh, everybody that we uh, talked to had a great time. And if you weren't there, you really missed out on it. Uh, what we'll do today is share our biggest takeaways. I think Dennis will talk about uh, the keynote, the end of lawyers and uh, and legal technology. Uh, Adriana will veer sharply off the technology course to a, a related important matter of uh, socializing at conferences and i'll veer us back partially onto uh, the legal technology front by talking about social networking Uh, we'll then finish up with our parting shots that one tip website or observation that you can immediately use the minute this podcast is over Uh, before we get started though how about we take a minute or two and talk about our reactions to tech show as a conference itself dennis your thoughts
1: well, I'm struck once again how I, I think that legal technology is more about people than technology when you get right down to it. And and for me, just walking into tech show and seeing you and Adriana at the conference concierge desk really brought that home. It's just great to see all the people who are involved in, in legal technology. It's such a generous and helpful group. And this truly was one of the most fun and interesting of all the all the tech shows I've been to.
2: I totally agree. I think that one of the funnest parts and the most rewarding parts and probably... One of the most valuable parts, aside from the educational part, is definitely getting to see each other and making new friends and acquaintances and finding the right people to connect with that can help you with your technology and your business and, and the practice. I, I agree. It was the funnest tech show I've been to. I had such a good time, and I know the feedback I was getting from all the attendees was very positive.
3: Well, and, and I think we're all in agreement on, on that one. And, and before we veer too closely to Adriana's topic, I want to to bring up one other thing, and that's just the idea of legal technology conferences in general. I, I can't stress enough how important it is for folks to make their m- make their way to, to a legal technology conference at least once a year, maybe once every two years if, if they'd rather do it that way. But just getting to these conferences and, and learning more about the technology they use in their practice, I think, is a huge benefit uh, to all lawyers. And I, and I wish more folks would do it. I, it just to watch the, the people who came out uh, to Tech Show this year, uh, appreciate and benefit from the stuff that they were learning really was gratifying and, and really did sell the notion behind legal technology conferences.
2: Tom, real quick, I was sitting outside of breakfast one day on the 24th floor with with Larry Smith, who's the director of the law practice management section of the ABA, and one of the attendees came out and stood in front of us and said, I just wanted to tell you that I have calculated how much money I have saved in the mistakes I was going to make technically from the people that I've met and the sessions that I've attended, and it's at least $5,000 so far. Coming to this conference has been an absolute godsend to my law firm's technology budget.
3: Well, there you have it. And, and, have while, it. and while we're on the subject of uh, saving money through technology, let's transition over into topic number one. Dennis, tell us uh, what your one big takeaway was from Tech Show this year.
1: Well, I think the one big takeaway for me had to be what I was looking most forward to when I went to the conference, which was Richard Susskind's keynote. Susskind is the author of a book called The End of Lawyers with a question mark, a very important question mark at the end of that. And he's from the UK and has uh, been a subject of interest for a lot of people in the US for a long time because of his forward thinking uh, about the, the practice of law. So What he talked about was related to the book, and In simplest terms, he sees two big trends pushing us forward and changing the legal profession substantially. The first is information technology, and that largely means the internet. The second is a trend that he calls commoditization. You can think of it as a movement from custom legal work to standardized legal work. And he sees those two things pushing the profession forward. The economy, the current economic turmoil may accelerate that that uh, those two trends and as a result will be something that I don't know we tend to call law 2.0 but sort of the next generation of legal technology but largely based on technology and what he refers to as disruptive technologies which he talked about there's a big reaction positive reaction I think it's a thought-provoking approach and, and the reaction was really interesting both in the session and people talking about it afterwards my takeaway from it though is that it, it focuses again on the why we're doing technology. I, I think that we tend to to think too much about the hows and the what's. Are we going to do? But I think this takes us back to the why are we doing things and sort of into the realm of strategy. I know, Tom, that you had the chance to to talk to Suskind, uh a couple of times outside the conference. What were your reactions to? to his uh, presentation
3: well you know I, I thought it was really interesting uh, you, you talk about uh, his his use of the idea of disruptive technologies and uh, I noticed that there were uh, one or two blog posts uh, from folks who actually didn't attend tech show uh, but but found that they could still be critical of the, of the keynote uh, from afar and uh, they had made the point that, uh, that, that, that it was wrong or that there was something wrong with Susskind talking about the idea of social networks and collaborative communities as being a disruptive technology for the law. Uh, How how lawyers will be using social networks more often and and how even clients will use closed communities uh, of clients where they share information with each other, not necessarily with the lawyer involved, and that this has a great potential on on both sides, just the whole social networking component, to vastly change the law. And I I, I think that. There is something to that. I think when you've got as many lawyers on, on Facebook and LinkedIn as you do now, you have lawyers who recognize the value of these networks. And, and I think that we've just begun to see the beginning of that type of disruptive technology that Suskin's talking about. Adriana, I, I, I want to ask you this question because he talked about how the automation of legal processes could lead to commoditization uh, of the law to where it, it becomes easy for folks to get what they need in, in prepackaged chunks. Do you find when you're working with lawyers that they're looking for ways to do that, to automate their legal processes? And what do you think about it?
2: No. They're, they're not looking for that. Are you? I hate to go back to my usual soapbox about how attorneys really aren't as advanced as someone like Suskind might give to the community as a whole. I think that there are certainly a few that float to the top and think about automating their technology and figuring out how to use more of the web services that are available and are trying to use the social networking outlets for more. But, you know, in, On the streets and in the offices, as a whole, it's just not that way. I mean, the average lawyer today still practices law the exact same way he did ten years ago, the exact same way his law school taught him to. And I think that because we're in the legal technology industry and we, you know, tend to sort of hover above it and look down, that it seems as if all this is floating to the top. But really, down at the bottom, it's it's still the same and if that sort of change is going to happen which i definitely think it's going to happen it's not going to be anytime soon and i and i i just can't believe for a second that we would be worried and i say worried in quotes about some sort of change happening at lightning speed. it's not going to. I mean, again, you still have attorneys who don't know what a right click does.
1: Well, and I think Susskind had a fairly fairly lengthy time frame on what he was suggesting. but I think that I think your point is is excellent because I think where he sees the change coming from and and the trends coming in place are from clients are from non-lawyers and that the technology and some of these trends will drive some of the things that lawyers take for granted as being part of the practice completely out of the practice I mean, in a way, I, th- I think that Tom is in one of the most disruptive areas uh, there is, which is electronic discovery, where I think we'll see potentially over time big chunks of electronic discovery not be done by lawyers. They'll be done by um, these non-lawyer companies.
3: I think that's probably true. Let's, let's veer off for a second and hit our second topic. Veer off from the idea of legal technology and talk about uh, – Really, the social side of tech show and why that's important, uh, as important as probably the education. Adriana, tell us about that.
2: I would be happy to, because that's, of course, one of my favorite aspects of legal technology and not just for tech show. But I always say that when you have problems and issues with technology in a law firm, if you're doing an implementation or a rollout, the problems tend to be very social. And cultural, and they aren't usually technical. So for me, being a part of Tech Show has been really special over the past few years because I've gotten to participate pretty heavily in the conference concierge, And in the Taste of Tech Show dinners, which I'll just describe very quickly for those of you who have not attended Tech Show, a few years ago, we decided to install a booth in the middle of all the cross paths for everyone that's going from session to session and from meeting to plenary to vendor booths. And in the middle of all the hubbub is this round booth, it's donut-shaped, where all of the experts and speakers that come to talk at Tech Show volunteer to hang out and interact with the attendees. Also at the conference concierge, we have the dinner signups for the Taste of Tech show where, again, our speakers take one night out of their weekend in Chicago and offer to host out a dinner group. Everybody goes, Dutch. don't get excited thinking you're getting a free dinner out of this. You still got to buy yourself a dinner in Chicago. But it's absolutely worth it because it turns out to be a couple of hours of I, almost free consulting and advice with some of the nation's you know, best legal technologists. So it's one of my favorite things. And, and and the point, and let me go back and mention one more thing about the conference concierge. We designed it so that when you show up at tech show next year and you, you you walk up and you say, you know, my law firm sent me here to learn about document management systems and I am totally lost. Where do I go? What do I do? You come to one of us and we say, Perfect. Here are the sessions that you need to attend. We circle the sessions you need to attend. And we also circle the vendors who are document management vendors in the um, document management program vendors in the vendor hall. And then if there's a dinner with a couple of experts or one or two that happen to be experts on document management system implementation and choosing them, then... You know, we let you know that those are the ones you should sign up for. That's a real example that happened time and time again last week. People walked away and they were absolutely thrilled to have some guidance so that they could really go back to their office without being completely clueless or have wasted a lot of time trying to figure out where to go and who to meet.
1: Well, I think that's one of the the unique things about Tech Show is is to make those connections for people in in the way that um, there are avenues to do that. Because I, I, you know, the the thing I enjoy most about Tech Show is putting you know sort of almost matchmaking in the technology sense of saying, "Hey, somebody has a question about this," and and the speakers and everybody are so approachable that you can say, "Oh, you want to learn about document management? Here's who you need to talk to, and let me make that introduction." So I think there's a lot of that type. Of connecting going on, which is just tremendous learning opportunity. And the other thing I liked in terms of social at tech show this year was, was the whole Twitter phenomenon of how you would. Uh, Get the chance to meet bloggers and people on Twitter that you had read their stuff and and get to meet them and and in, in real life. And one of my favorite things was at the beer and blogger uh, event where these different Twitterers would uh, come up to each other and go, "Oh my god, you're a legal typist!" or "Oh my god, you're <laughs> econ writer five. And, and they kind of put a face and you know and a person to somebody who they had enjoyed reading all this time.
3: Well, and you know, at the risk of becoming a mutual admiration society here I, I, I'll agree with with the, both of you that uh, that I think that the social aspect of, of something like tech show it, it, sometimes far away is a lot of the, the education that you'll find I've been to so many conferences where the only um, the only contact I'll have with the speakers will be for the five minutes after the session is over with when I can try and sneak in a quick question uh, one thing that I like about a, a show like tech show is that the speakers make themselves available not only at the dinners but also behind the concierge booth also in the hallways you know they the the old statement that uh, sometimes the best conversations in at conferences is take takes place out in the hallways and at tech show i think that is certainly true and i think that uh that that That's one of the things that sets Tech Show apart from the rest is just the ability to get one-on-one with these individuals. I I won't hammer the point home any further because I think you all have covered it well. Instead, I think we'll get to our third topic. But before we do that, let's take a quick break with a few words from the Legal Talk Network.
0: Legal Talk Network has been producing award-winning legal podcasts since 2005. Subscribe to our RSS feed and start downloading today. It's free. Don't miss out on the latest and new media marketing opportunities for your firm. Contact Deb Curran at 781-551-9960 and learn all about the Web 2.0 revolution.
3: And welcome back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. I'm Dennis
2: Kennedy. And I'm Adriana Linares.
3: And we're on to the third topic of the show, my takeaway from Tech Show. And uh, as I talked about last week, Twitter. Twitter. Twitter uh, was the big player at Tech Show that uh, wasn't actually a person at Tech Show. We had, uh, starting with uh, the opening session on Thursday morning, we had a packed room of people both already on Twitter but wanting to learn more about how to use it. And I really am convinced after going through Tech Show that Twitter is a true game changer in terms of the way that conferences are run for a couple of different reasons. One, it puts speakers on their toes. There are people in the room who are Talking about their session, perhaps critiquing it, definitely sending out words of wisdom to the rest of the world to see what's being said. Uh, there are some who've said that you should uh, have a, a monitor up at the desk while you present to monitor what's being said on Twitter. And I think, oh my God,
2: I cannot imagine how completely distracting that would be. I, to I, me. I would,
3: <laughs> I would be. I tried to do it and I was distracted as well. But, but you've. Got, I would be
2: the first one who had to stop and send a tweet out if somebody insulted me or said something wrong.
3: Well, and I talked to somebody else who said that if they monitored it, the first critical comment they saw, they would burst into tears and that would be the end of the, of the session. Um, but... Uh, but, but think about it in terms of how the rest of the world receives information about the conference uh, they are getting uh, real time information about what's going on and and one it's, it's, it's great marketing for the conference it gets people interested in it but it also sparks a conversation beyond the conference which I think is really what is so interesting there was one individual at, at Tech Show who wasn't actually at Tech Show but uh, this individual was taking every opportunity to uh, to send out tweets about the things that he was reading from tech show and offering his expertise and his, uh, his articles and, and things that he's done on those particular areas. I thought it was a brilliant move on his part to help market himself and to help demonstrate his expertise and give a little bit back to the tech show audience. Uh, I think that 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 Twitter really has a, a hold on conferences that we're probably not haven't seen in, in a couple of years.
1: Well, I think it creates a, I think it creates a larger conversation, a context for that larger conversation. But I was also intrigued by, I think Twitter fits into, to my whole sense that email is fundamentally broken at this point because I realized I don't know that I sent any emails, uh, to communicate with other people at tech show, but I use Twitter. I know people use Facebook for that, and I think that it's, it's it becomes a, an alternative um, in a really good way to email, which is is for most of us broken.
2: I, I don't agree. I still like email. I love email. I have a hard time sometimes with Twitter. And um, I put a blog post up. The, no, I didn't put a new blog post up. I gave my blog a facelift. And I realized how much I enjoyed my blog and being able to showcase my personality and really be able to have more of a conversation, I think, through my blog than I do with Twitter. So I don't totally agree with the two. Yeah, but how many how emails? You did, how,
1: many, how many emails did you send during tech show? To I know how many you sent to me. It was zero.
2: <laughs> Maybe I didn't have anything to say to you, Dennis.
3: Well, and, and I think the point is, I, I am I am no Twitter fanboy. I know that there are a lot of Twitter fanboys out there who will probably send some some hate mail to me when I say this. But Twitter's not for everyone, and it's not for everything. And I think that the three of us uh, are probably on the restraint side of using Twitter about when is the best time to use it. And and I agree that I don't have the time every day to sit in front of Twitter and monitor it to watch what's going on. And and, and frankly, I have trouble seeing when people uh, who do have time to do that. But for the purpose of a conference, for the purpose of keeping a conversation going, what's been interesting has been to follow the tech show conversation since tech show ended there have been people who yeah, and that's
1: that's been amazing that's right that the, the the continuing tech show conversation has been amazing even a week or so later how that uh what's known as a hashtag on tech show there's a continuing conversation of of people that that grew out of being together at tech show
2: i i really i do actually really appreciate that and i was able having that that Twitter roll. I don't know what you call it, but I call it a Twitter roll. After the show, when I was so involved in the show, to be able to go back and see what people were saying and hit the links and and all that, it it, that has been quite valuable, and I do appreciate that very much.
3: And again, we end up agreed. Uh, We we asked for comments. uh, We asked for comments uh, from our audience, and we actually got one, Adriana, on Twitter uh, from one of our (laughs) listeners. Kevin Thompson. I know Kevin well. Kevin's at Cyberlaw Central, and his comment is, next year, I'd like to see more presentations that show someone how to take the disparate nuggets, practice management software, time and billing, etc., and turn it into a practical solution. I've seen many lawyers spending too much time researching options versus actually practicing law. I'll make one quick comment and then let the rest of you talk about it. I I agree that, that lawyers spend too much time researching options for technology, but that goes into the argument of why go a tech show in the first place it's it's a one-stop shopping to be able to take those disparate nuggets and turn it into a practical solution so maybe we're not maybe tech shows not doing the best job of 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 accomplishing that goal what do you all think
1: well, I think they, what he's talking about really is a need for personal attention. I mean, it's really difficult in any conference, and we all know this as a speaker, to pitch what you're presenting to a common denominator of any kind. So I think the real solution and, and the learning I would take f- from that, and and I'll make this point for Adriana so she doesn't have to make it herself, is that this is where the, the true value of the consultants come in and getting a little bit of time to kind of get you focused and, and point you in the right direction really makes sense. I mean, I, I think a general presentation can only take you so far, but then you got to narrow down, and there does come a point where you're, you are spinning your wheels and doing too much research, and you need some help.
2: And I'll just say, I think that it's a it's a great comment, and we'll move it over to Debbie Foster, the chair of the 2010 Tech Show, and see if maybe there's some way we could put a track together that actually does that that a to z soup to nuts experience but like one of you said it's hard to do that for everybody and it's also very hard to get that done in in one hour which is the length of most of our presentations at tech show so
3: and now it's time for our parting shots that one tip website or observation that you can use the second this podcast ends dennis take it away
1: Well, I'm very tempted to to go with what was my best tech tip of the whole conference from Kevin O'Keefe, which is the Brooks Brothers non-iron shirts he was wearing. (laughs) I'm going to instead go to encryption. Uh, In one of our, our sessions, Tom and I talked about confidentiality and the interplay between confidentiality obligations and encryption and how encryption technology may be a solution to some of lawyers' confidentiality issues. Well, it's difficult to point to lawyers using encryption or how best to use it. It's still a kind of complicated, difficult uh, topic. But I, I'm going to suggest that people go out and, and, use, and download and start to use a free program, and free in the best sense of the term, called TrueCrypt. T-R-U-E-C-R-Y-P-T, and it's a free encryption software program. You can use it on hard drives, USB drives, uh, other things, and just start playing with it because I think lawyers are going to need to take the lead on encryption, and it does have an important interplay with, with confidentiality obligations. Adriana?
2: Two very quick things. I mentioned that most attorneys don't know about the right click, and I'll just say this because I always say this when I'm training. The right click has one function for the most part, and it's to give you menus. So um, if you're ever looking for something or trying to do something with... A program, an application, a feature, or anything, just try the right click and you'll see that you get contextual menus that give you options based on what you right clicked on. Then my actual parting shot is if you haven't yet gone out and created your LinkedIn profile, you need to do that today and maybe grab a couple of others, Twitter, Avo, Facebook, any of the other social media sites out there and uh, start connecting with people. You can start with LinkedIn and connect to Dennis and Tom and I.
3: And my parting shot, my parting shot comes from a, a site that was featured at 60 Sites in 60 Minutes at Tech Show, but it's uh, more in terms of the, the rise of it, sort of a new phenomenon I'm seeing on the web, and that is preserving your information or your digital assets once you've passed on. There used to be some kind of creepy websites that would notify people by email when you had died, uh, but this these sites serve a far more beneficial purpose. The one that was mentioned at 60 Sites is called iGoodbye, that's a letter i, goodbye.com. And it allows you to serves as a digital vault for all of your important documents, wills, trusts, um, those documents that you need to have protected until uh, until the time that they need to be acted upon after your death. Uh, One that I found that was actually more interesting is a site called Legacy Locker. LegacyLocker.com allows you to maintain a listing of all of the accounts you have, your Gmail accounts, your social networking, all of your what they call digital assets, because those are assets just as well as the physical assets you have around your house and in your bank accounts, and they need to be dealt with too. So uh, maybe a little morbid ending to our show today, but uh, (laughs) definitely important things to think about. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mall Report. Links to the topics we discussed today, as well as how to follow us on our blogs or on Twitter, are available on our show notes wiki. That wiki isn't set up as of today, but you can find the link on the Legal Talk Network page. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast at the Legal Talk Network site or in iTunes. And if you have questions or suggestions for upcoming topics, please email us at tkmreport at gmail.com. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile.
2: I'm Adriana Linares.
1: And I'm Dennis Kennedy. And you've been listening to the kennedy Mile Report. See you next time.
0: Thanks for listening to the kennedy Mile Report.